Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about Jojo Rabbit. Oh yeah. Yep. That's what we're doing today. I saw that film. Good. I'm so glad. I didn't think this film was going to open here anytime soon. I thought we might get it after it was nominated for some awards. Is it going to be nominated? I think it will be. It's a laughy though. Well, but we don't. We don't... <laughs> but it's a laughy and a saddie at the same time. So like, it's got some clout. Also, the Golden Globes have this category called comedy and musical. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot that I don't count the Golden Globes as <laughs> an entity to mm, consider. You're like, because it's just 80 people of the Foreign Press Association? Yeah, I could pay them off. You probably have. What? <laughs> Alright, so, listen. When the Goldfinch becomes the nominee at the Golden Why? Globes this Why year... Why would the Goldfinch be the one I pick? What was your bit in the Goldfinch episode? I don't know. <laughs> who who directed that film, Kylie? I don't know. You did. Oh yeah, I directed that film. <laughs> we got <laughs> Sorry. We got... <laughs> Sorry. You're right, I did. Come on. Yeah. Here we go. We're gonna we're gonna get there. Um No yeah, we sat down for a film that was under two hours. It was a brisk one forty something. Yeah, when it ended, I was like, okay, but where's the second act? <laughs> I was very excited to not have to sit through over two hours, nearly three hours of a movie. I, I just, I think that the strategy is, is that studios are assuming that the longer that they make their movie the more likely people are going to see it as an event and therefore they might go out to do it rather than watching it at home. Oh, they're using the 1939 strategy. Yes. <laughs> well, but that's like for one movie. The longest, and it won. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> it's the highest grossing movie of when he of adjusted for inflation. Yes. Josh. <laughs> It won the Oscar. It did? Yeah. So what you're saying is from this point, from long, 1939 long forward, good. The long, you're not wrong. <laughs> there are some interminably long movies that have won the Best Picture Oscar. Long means good. Long means good. Long means good. Doctor Sleep. Doctor... Oh, wait, sorry. It's Hang not on. the longest film of this year, though. It's not. Let me Here, let me figure out what the longest film I've seen this year is, Okay. Um, longest first. Oh, I, that's, that's the dumb answer. I, I, it's it's Endgame, yeah. right? Okay. Do you want the top five? Okay, can I? <laughs> you want to guess them? Okay, let me see if I can guess. Let's the... do the top ten. Okay. okay. Oh shoot! Now I'm just losing <laughs> everything. Okay, can I? Like, okay, I know what will be the answer by the by by the Oscar times. I think maybe. There's a longer film than Sleep or than Avengers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's called... Oh, The Irishman. The Irishman. Right, but I but The Irishman doesn't count because I don't have to pay to see that movie three times to finish it. <laughs> I just have to log in to Netflix three times to finish it. You're right, however. Okay. Okay. Number... Cool. Okay, okay, so you got number one. Number... <laughs> you want to start naming movies? Or um, you want to okay, let's see. 
Well, we didn't see It Chapter 2 because it was too long. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, Doctor Sleep is in the top ten? Number three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what, give me a hint for two. Um, you loved this movie more than life itself. Ad Astra. Nope. And oh. I felt some indifference about it. Um. As in, I thought, good performances. I don't know. Um. We did not do an episode on it because we were worried about controversy. Hustlers? That was not it. Okay. <laughs> You didn't love Hustlers. Fair. I used the controversy. That was a stupid argument. <laughs> Josh, you... This is like probably your third favorite film of the year. So... So it's Overlord. Your version of Overlord. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Blinded by the light? No! What? Okay, so it's your fourth favorite or fifth. Okay, so here... I think my top five right now are... Okay. Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Um... Blinded by, by the light. light, Ad Astra, okay. um, Rocket, Rocket Man. Man, Booksmart. Okay, what's in your top ten? <laughs> it's your top ten that's likely to get an Oscar win. I, during the Lighthouse episode, said... Oh man, I was going to say the Lighthouse. I but... sure hope this does not get the Oscar and we give it to a Mr. Defoe. What's part time in Hollywood? Oh, sorry. <laughs> We did it. Okay. We did it, everybody. Number two. Bing. Okay, okay. Number four. I directed this movie. Uh, that's the Goldfinch? That's Goldfinch. <laughs> Bing! Um, this next movie, uh, we also did not do an episode on it, as we were afraid of controversy. Hustlers. Nope. Huh. Hustlers is not here, Josh. <laughs> I know, but like I was just going with the bit. Um, this was the second film of this director, and we both liked the first film, and this one we were not as us in love with. Nope. Um, second films this year. Oh, Midsommar. Midsommar. There it is. <laughs> Number 27. This is also a second film. You found this to be a huge waste of time. <laughs> this is called Under the Silver Lake. <laughs> number... F yep, that's number five. Uh, that's number six. Number seven... It's a film that I have kind of enjoyed because I'm not emotionally connected to <laughs> this, and this is a this is a piece of one of your uh, one of your guys. Okay, Josh. So don't think about who your actual favorite actors are. Oh, okay. But think of who I say your favorite <laughs> actors are. Is the Rock here? Okay. Is this a Hobbs and Shaw? Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, number eight is a film that only I have seen, but okay, it features one of my favorite working actors and an actress who recently, since 2017, has gotten some. Uh, we like now know her, and this film fixed racism. Oh, it's uh, Sam Rockwell and. Taraji P. Henson, mm -hmm. and the film is called Worst of Enemies? <laughs> no. Best of Enemies. The Best of Enemies. Ah, oh, there we go. All right, number nine is a film that you did not like. <laughs> okay, great. Uh -huh. But I... It's called Joker. I found kind of fun. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's funny that you say Joker, but not quite that late oh, in the season. Shazam? Shazam! Okay, yeah. All right, bing! <laughs> and then number ten... 
is a film I... It was still this year? Yes. Oh, gosh. Number 10 is a film that only I have seen. Okay. It is a Spanish-language film directed by a director who, on the back of the DVD case, said he was only nominated for Oscars when he, in fact, has won for two Oscars. So it's Oscar for Hottie? Right? Oh. No. Yes. Very good. Okay. I don't know his film that came out this year. Everybody knows. There you go. All right. The 10 longest films Kylie's seen this year. Sorry. Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. Um, And it's it's pretty pretty good. It's pretty okay. Pretty good. There you go. As far as like, so it's like, no secret. It's It's a kidnapper film, but like. It's got something that it, it's just different than how America would do it. I mean, for Hardy, it's a good director, mm-hmm. so like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the shortest film I've seen is Penguins. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Bring in the short films. <laughs> They're like, we don't have a lot to say about Steve the Penguin. I mean, a brief seventy-six <laughs> minutes. That is the length of one Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> That is the length of four chunks of Gone with the Wind. I got through a lot last night. I almost finished the first disc last night. There you go. And then uh, it's just been harder this morning. No worries. The disc, second disc is here. Oh, God. It's so far. It's I will tell you it that... It is in colors. It is. It is in color. <laughs> so that got my attention. Um... There are two schools of thought okay. as to which half of Gone with the Wind is better. Uh, so the first or the second part? Yes. Uh, however, <laughs> the most popular theory is that the second half is more interesting. But the first half has the burning of Atlanta, which is the thing that I'm like, okay, let's watch this. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, they set some stuff on fire. I could do that. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not like they <laughs> drew it in their computer. They literally set it on fire. I can do that too! I can't draw it in my computer, Josh, but I can literally go set something on fire. And then they're like, actors, go run! Go! <laughs> but do it on your mark. Or you'll die. Or you'll die. You know, movie making used to be... Okay, so... <laughs> this is going to slight tangent into I saw Midway. I read a... Uh, I read a... I read an article I, or a review I wrote in 2016, and it was bad. Oh, okay. And now I'm like, wow, at least now I'm kind of trying a little bit harder. Like, wow, I wrote so much for Dallas Buyers Club, and I didn't mean for it to be that long. Uh, that's okay. It was a good review. Thank you. Yeah. I just thought it wasn't a good film, and I don't understand why people like it. Um, uh, Time <laughs> agrees with you. <laughs> okay, phew. I think literally the moment that we gave... Jared Leto and Matthew Goddard Oscars, we were like, oh, Wait, what? what did we just do as a society? We were under a curse. <laughs> <laughs> the Makatasans was lifted. Oscar. So I was watching Midway. Yes. And this tangents into director John Ford, who did 1939 Stagecoach and many, many, many other films, including, um, uh, 
Ha, the Searchers and uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Works. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John Ford is probably considered the first great master of cinema, and he's got a lot of good things. He's very popular in the western genre, but he's also got a lot of other things as well. Uh, and he is a character who appears in Midway, and literally because John Ford went to World War Two and was like, "I'm gonna film it." So Roland Emmerich's like, I'm going to put this guy here. And this doubles back to just putting himself in danger because literally his whole point of being in the movie is to almost die and have like three soldiers save him several times. What? He's got two in 1939 that we're doing? Oh, uh, yeah. Young Mr. Lincoln. You're double dipping there, Josh. <laughs> well, you could, you could, you know. I didn't, I didn't realize it till I put them both in and I was like, oh, John Ford, here he is. Well, this is, so I did more research. Uh, well, listen, uh, this one, better than this one. Really? Yeah. They have, how did you not notice they have the guy's name on the front? (laughs) Well, I just bought these. (laughs) No, 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 this one, this one is June Ford, and this one's John Ford. It's, it's very, it's pronounced very differently. Oh, he also did How Green Was My Valley. That's cinematic classic. Cinematic classic How Green Was My Valley, yes, of course. Did that win because, like, he'd made so many films at this yes. point? They were like, huh, Citizen King... Well, no, Citizen King got backlash immediately because the newspaper man was like, no! Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. That all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Context yeah. matters. And John Ford was beloved, so, yeah. He was an American hero. He went yeah. to World War Two. He did. Shot actual footage. Anyways. Kylie, speaking of World War Two, Who plays him? I don't know. Somebody who is doing a really awful impersonation. Speaking of World War Two, what's your favorite World War Two movie? Is that where you were going? No, I was just going to transition into JoJo. Okay. <laughs> speaking of World War Two, what's your favorite World War Two movie? Do you have uh, a better inquiry? No, I don't. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, what was yours? Did you have one? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. What's your favorite World War Two movie? Yeah. Um... Saving Private Ryan? Inglorious Bastards. Oh, both good answers. Thank you. Schindler? Yep. So I went for more of a war film. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but Schindler's List is within that realm. I think some other films that fit... Because when you, we're talking about World War II, there's really two things that really get hit upon. And it's the war aspect or the Holocaust. Yeah. And... They are connected to each other, but those two types of movies feel very separated. Yeah. Even though they take place during the same time, just based on how we kind of film them, because a lot of times when we're filming World War II from an American perspective, we're looking at here are heroes doing a heroic thing, and we can show the bravado of it. But when we're ta- when we're looking at films that are centered on the Holocaust, minus Life is Beautiful, we yeah. We um, have much more of a quiet and solemn tone to it. Yeah. That reminds me that I'm looking forward to Terrence Malick's new film, A Hidden Life, that's coming out, which is also a World War II film. I rewatched Frozen. Sorry, I wanted to say something real quick. <laughs> yeah, no worries, you're good. <laughs> this is the gems of our podcast. Terrence Malick, Frozen. Well, well, I was thinking about, I for some what's it called? 
A hidden life? A hidden life. I, was, I always think that it's called, like, a quiet life or something. Dude, me too. And speaking of quiet, because that trailer is silent. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know who else is quiet? I My love for Olaf was revamped because I realized something. Uh-huh. Disney sidekicks are annoying. And what I mean by that is they talk like this! And... For some reason, for the longest time, I was like, Josh Gad's just annoying as Olaf because Josh Gad does his high-pitched Josh Gad voice! But you know what he does as Olaf? He's actually just, like, whispering. And I'm like, Olaf is such a quiet character. I love him. <laughs> there you go. Kylie, are you excited for his appearance in Frozen 2. Well, I'm worried that they're not going to let him be quiet again. Okay, now did you, when you saw Coco, uh-huh. did you have to sit through Olaf's Frozen ad- Journey or whatever holiday adventure? <laughs> yes. Was he yelly there? One whole... It was that... that, 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 that. <laughs> um, I don't remember him being too yelly, but it no. was just... it was. A, I know we cut back to, like, Elsa and Anna occasionally, but it was just a lot of Olaf. It was was a lot of Olaf. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, like, Olaf works well with others because he's quiet and he tries to help. And he was trying to help them, I get that, but, like, quiet. There you go. What about the... Do you not agree that he's he's just just better? (laughs) I mean, I... It just doesn't bug me. Like, I just think, like, if a, like, I don't know, if, like, a kid started talking, like, Olaf, they'd be like, hello, I've been impaled, and I'm like, ha ha ha. Oh, no, if the kids start doing it, they go, in summer! Uh, and I'm like, no, 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 thank you. I guess that's true. I like that song. It's kind of funny. Yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't help the plot at all, and it's pretty useless, but, you know. You could say that it's, uh, it's character building. Yeah. We see that he's a naive little snowman, and... Yeah, and, and that then, almost costs him his life. Yes, and that also then you get character moments between Anna and Kristoff. Because Kristoff's the worst, and Anna's also the worst. Because, like, Kristoff wants to tell him in order to, like, crush his dreams because he likes to see the pain of others. <laughs> wow, <laughs> is what I took from that moment. Oh, okay, uh-huh, yeah. While Anna wants him to live in denial and be afraid <laughs> to not see the dangers of the world. And I think they need to mix it together. I think, okay, here's the real question. What would Sven do? Um, Sven is just eating a carrot. Probably okay. eating his nose. Great. Love maybe, it. Maybe dead. Reindeers don't live that long. Oh, okay. Well, Scott, sad up in here. Hey, everyone, if you want to tell us what's your favorite World War II movie, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. It's almost like you think about Olaf. You can't, yeah, I also, like, was watching it, and I was like, huh. Maybe, maybe we should have not taken all those Disney films before so literally, so that Disney didn't have to feel the need to be, like, justifying everything. Because, like, I don't know, they were fairy tales, and we couldn't take them as metaphor at times. Yeah. It's almost like they were just rushing to, not rushing, quote, but, like, they needed to push the story forward, and if we spend six months watching Ariel and Eric's relationship develop, we might get a little bored. I, I appreciate <laughs> you saying those words, because this has been my issue with the internet for a long time, is that it is a, 
land full of uh, people who are very critical of metaphors when they take them very literally. And Disney in particular gets the brunt of a lot of it because, yes, there are elements of their films that do not hold well. However, it's not every element of their films that doesn't hold well. And that's where then Disney has been like, oh no, we have to please the internet. And we're getting stuff like the princess scene in uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet where they're just very aware and Vanellope sings Well, they're on the internet, so they're aware yeah, of what they are. Yeah, they are very aware, yeah. No, that, made, that makes perfect sense to me. I'm interested in Frozen 2 because... I want to see what Disney's response is going to be. Like, they're now in a post. They've realized, recognized, and satired what they are. So how do you make a princess movie now that you can't rely on any of those tropes? Well, they're going to make a queen movie. Uh. It's not going to be about Anna. It'll be about Elsa. I I hope it's about (laughs) both of them. Because the first one was about both of them. We're only going to focus on Elsa. So if we only get to pick one character, they're going to pick Kristoff. Everyone's like, ha, this ice seller. Hans. I don't know if he's in this movie. Hans. <laughs> My best friend Hans. Maybe they're just going to sideline all the characters we know and just be like, hey, king, queen, we're, 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 here we are. Hans. I don't think he's in this movie. Do you know what is in this movie? Olaf. <laughs> A panic at the disco cover. Let it go? <laughs> no, it's of uh, Elsa's new song, Into the Unknown. It would be better if it was Let It Go. They just played that in the closing credits. No, it's the, yeah. And then uh, there's some other song in the middle there, and then the last credit song, right before the apparent tag scene, is Weezer covers a song. And I'm like, you're gonna make me sit here for Weezer? Alright, fine. No, they're making you sit there for the tag scene. Yeah, but they're giving me Weezer, so... Alright, fair enough. Of Let It Go? No. (laughs) They're all covering songs of this movie. Although, when the first five notes of Let It Go played, I tightened up. I was like, oh no! And then then it happened and it wasn't so bad. Guys, I I don't hate Let It Go. Like, sure, in some circles it got overplayed. Yes. But, like, it's actually kind of a good song, and I appreciate the empowerment that it has, so, like, whatevs it to the world. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that in... I also think it was overplayed. It also, to me, sounds like a generic pop song, but... Okay. I mean... They could have played... As far as songs that have been overplayed goes, Frozen is not at the bottom of that list. Hey, there you go. It is... In the middle. <laughs> you could, you know, listen, when you're walking around in 2003 here and defying gravity everywhere, you know, see, you could be that. Oh, I you didn't. could be walking around in 1991 here in Beauty and the Beast everywhere, or 89 here in Part of Your World everywhere. Yeah. I wasn't. I know. I, yeah. I, I, I was safe. <laughs> I, was, I was there. No worries so far. <laughs> You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes if it's a five-star review or any star review as well. Let's hit that subscribe button. What's up, Doc? Hey, you can also find us <laughs> there on with the show. All right, great. Perfect. That's what we did. All right, listeners. Well, we received the film Jojo Rabbit. It came to our area, expanding to nearly 800 theaters this weekend. This is the fifth 
or sixth film by Taika Waititi. I think it's the fifth. Let's see if we can do this. Did he do Eagle and Shark? Is that see, him? That's the one that I don't know. <laughs> Boy! Boy. He's half of the people for what we do in the shadows? Yes. He's Hunts for the Wilder People? Uh-huh. Thor Ragnarok? Uh-huh. This. Or six. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, five or six, I don't know. It's called Eagle and Shark? I think so. Eagle versus Shark. Eagle versus Shark. All right. Do, do, do. Directed by Taika Waititi. Is that the first one or is Boy first? Um, That's a great question. I think Boy is first. I also think Boy is out. first. Nope, it is first. Boy okay. is 2010. Okay. Uh, I have seen every Taika Waititi film since What We Do in the Shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, he is a director that is very, very quickly growing uh, to... He's definitely in my top 10 or 15 at this moment, if not even higher. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> He's coming for you, what? He's coming! <laughs> oh, he very well might be. <laughs> hey, Wes. Market zero. Market zero, Wes. Get out of the way. Uh, so yeah, no, uh, yeah. Have you seen Boy? I have not. Have you seen Eagle vs. Shark? Boy and Eagle vs. Shark are the ones that I haven't seen, though I think at least one of them, if not both of them, are on Canopy. Boy for sure is. Yeah. Period. (laughs) Uh, Kylie, what is, what is your relationship to Taika Waititi? Um, well, we met for coffee a few uh days ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Taika Waititi... He uh, popped into my life first when I was in college because I saw the trailer for What We Do in the Shadows. I didn't understand that we had a master on our hands at the time. I thought, oh, we're going to make fun of vampires and it's going to be fun. Yeah. And I was like, great. And then two years later, I see a trailer for a certain hunt for the wilder people. And, I was, and it was like, from the person that brought you... What we do in the shadows. And I was like, great. This is going to be the greatest film ever made. And then the movie comes out and it's the greatest film ever made. <laughs> like, to the point of I'm like, this is a film we're going to watch for movie night one day. Oh, you should. Yeah, it's on the list. See, it was going to be my next pick. Uh-huh. And then because actually Jeff went with me to see Jojo Rabbit, I don't want to throw too many watikis at him oh, at, the okay. same, at once. So I got to pace that. Nice. Okay. So, I think I'm going to do a League of Their Own. Right? Yeah. We need some ladies. Yeah. Right? That's a good, good pick. Thank you. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've only had men. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. So Penny Marshall, she's going to represent. So I saw Hunt for the Wilder People and I was like, yas, yas, queen, yas. And I thought it was great and wonderful. And it introduced us to Julian. I think his name's Julian. Julian. Julian Dennison. Yes. The greatest <laughs> living actor. <laughs> Gives a really good performance. <laughs> and Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes. And then is in Deadpool 2. Yeah. It's fine. Listen. We all gotta get work. Yeah. Anyways, next. Yeah. <laughs> then he just saw Ragnarok and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. He made a Marvel movie. I, there's a, I recently shared a picture of me and Sylvana on my Facebook and it was post our Thor Ragnarok thoughts because I was in Ellensburg and we saw it together on opening night and 
I, I was I was a little underwhelmed by Thor Ragnarok. We've talked about it in the past. The part where I think Taika Waititi wanted to make is great and wonderful and brilliant and colorful. And then when he has to go deal with Asgard, he's a little less inclined to show motivation. He's like, can we just, can we blow this up? Yeah. When, when can we blow this up? <laughs> Minute two. <laughs> So more ideas of that minute too. Uh, it's Asgard is gone. <laughs> but there's a rock monster. <laughs> a rock monster. His name's Korg. Uh, and I'm gonna play Korg. <laughs> I really want like him to just like put his biter down and leave. Like that was his pitch. <laughs> um. Yeah. Th- Thor Rax is the film that has grown on me. Mm-hmm. Each I think I've only seen it two, three times. But I, okay, so I saw it twice in theaters because mm-hmm. of how things ended up playing out with like when I had to watch it, and then um, I saw it once afterwards. And each time I watch that movie, it grows on me a little more. I don't. I agree with you that like I don't think it's like the greatest film ever made, but it is very enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And he's able to do something that not a lot of MCU directors are, which is he, it's a it's a Taika Waititi film. Uh, so, yeah, so Thor Ragnarok is, I have watched it maybe once, maybe, I, you know, I feel like I saw it in theaters, like, three times. Yeah, I know, right? Because I went with Sylvana, and then we recorded our episode, and you didn't go with Anne the first time you went, Mm -hmm. and then we (laughs) went with Anne, Mm -hmm. and we were like, oh, and I feel like I saw it with Jeff as well, I feel like I saw this. In theaters three times. Yeah. For a movie that I was kind of like, eh, I don't really care about this. <laughs> there was just something that kept bringing me back. I think I remember even, because <laughs> like you had told me you went back and saw it at least once more. And then I was like, why have you seen this movie so many times? <laughs> it was free. Ah, <laughs> uh, movie pass. Um, had we switched over yet? Mm, to AMC? Yeah. No, it's still movie pass. It's still movie pass? Okay. Yeah. Mm. It's summer of 2018. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Last yeah. Um, and then here we are with jo- Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Um, expectations. Oh, sorry. New film. Spoilers, non-spoilers sections. It will happen. Though I'm not sure if we need to really get into a spoiler-filled section because I think we can talk about this movie pretty easily. But we'll give the option just in case we want it. Expectations. Great. <laughs> you saw the trailer and you went oh, like oh I let me let me take it back a okay, little while alright don't know what episode it is <laughs> however I am on the letterbox page of one Taika and I read the synopsis of one Jojo Rabbit before we have seen any trailer or anything and I say you heard about this new Taika film where he plays an imaginary version of Adolf Hitler <laughs> It's Carl Johansson, some kid's mom. <laughs> and he said, what? <laughs> yep, proper response. And from the beginning, I was like, no, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, what else would they do? I mean, you know. And yeah, here we are now. Everyone's on board with yeah, the idea. There we, go. we did there. We got there. Uh, that's an interesting statement. I think there's actually been a lot of critical backlash to this movie. Interesting. Because um, if you look at its Metacritic score, and just in the podcast that I'm listening to, its Metacritic store, score is 54. 
Hmm. Um, and and now they want it to go farther. I think that's the general criticism of the film, but we can. T- I want to. I want to get into that, but maybe a little bit after we talk about how we feel about the film a little bit more, just because I don't think either of us dislike this film. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> Your text was very confusing then. <laughs> um, David Sims gave it a sixty, so yeah. therefore that's who we should believe. Okay, there we go. Um, it has a 58. Ehrlich gave it two stars on Letterboxd. Well, David Ehrlich's also like a punce. <laughs> He's your favorite punce, though. <laughs> yeah, I take what David Ehrlich says with a grain of salt, though. Because David Ehrlich and I are two different people. Wait, wait, you mean you can like and respect someone, but yet have differences of opinion? Yeah, I also oh, okay. sometimes use him to back up my statements. <laughs> For something I haven't seen yet. But I'm like, no, David Ehrlich really liked it. Therefore, it's good. But in this case, you're like, David's stupid. (laughs) David Ehrlich and I are not the same person. And therefore, it's fine. Uh, All right. um, My expectations were, I don't know. I, um, I was excited to see what the film was. I didn't think the trailer did anything else but say like, hey... Get ready. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Buckle up. Also a little bit of like, hey, you like Moonrise Kingdom, right? Come watch this movie. And then he's like, I'm going to get rid of this Boy Scout thing almost immediately. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Yeah, the trailer is, the most of the trailer is very much within like the first ah, 10, 15 movie, minutes of the movie. I appreciate that a lot. Um, And so like... I guess I was expecting more of a camp film, like, we're going to summer camp, and then that was not the case, and that was pretty fun. Yeah. And then I no longer knew what to expect. So sitting down at the movie, I, on first, first glance, I started to, like, almost straight away, I really fell in love with what this movie was doing. Um, It starts out by overlaying shots of... People in hysteria and, like, celebrating Adolf Hitler and the German version of I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And it's just a nice way that Taika is going to say, I'm going to take this sensibility that you think you know about and this sensibility that you think you know about and put them together and see what I have to say and see what we have to say when you look at them through a similar lens. And I'm just going to hope that it all works out. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my last plan, and here we go. <laughs> I read my own script, and I realized I did not write past the first page. <laughs> I literally just wrote, Taika as Hitler, bring friends. <laughs> and it all worked out in the end, I think. <sighs> the... I feel like he would appreciate everything we've done so far. <laughs> I feel like he would have appreciated our frozen chat in the middle of his film. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, good, they're not actually talking about me. Take that listen. If you are listening to this episode, I would love you. Just let, let us know. Let us know what you think. Uh, got any um, tips or things on those lines? Uh, we, we would love to hear them. We would love to be in Thor Ragnarok too. <laughs> <laughs> Not Thor Love and War. We don't want to be in that. We want to be in Thor Ragnarok 2. Yeah. So, AKA Thor 3 2. Yeah, we love every actor in that. You might as well just let us be on that in it. Absolutely. We would even. Okay, Kylie. I'll play the hammer. 
Who doesn't have it anymore? Damn it. What? What? Yes. You'll have to put up with Matt Damon for a day. <laughs> Is he in it again? <laughs> I mean, cameoed in the first one. Yeah, that was the first one. Asgard's dead, so maybe Matt Damon's character is dead too. Do you think Ragnarok can destroy a potato? Yes. I don't know. It just... <laughs> Potatoes are pretty strong. <laughs> Matt Damon is not a not a people. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo <laughs> Rabbit. Go. What are you? What are your first thoughts? Um, I laughed a lot more than everyone else in the audience did. Uh, this theater was actually pretty full. It was also a pretty small theater. Yeah. But, um, for what it was, it was pretty full, and, um, I literally, like, lost my mind at several jokes, uh, including when, where Scarlett Johansson says to the boy, you're stupid, and <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> me too, Scarlett Johansson. Um, yeah, our theater was, uh... The entire section bar up was full. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really appreciate... So the story of this movie is JoJo's mom, played by Scarlett Johansson, is housing um, Thomas and McKinley... McKinley? Thomas and McKinney... McKenzie? McKenzie. Thomas and McKenzie, uh, who is um, a Jewish refu- refugee hanging out in her house to stay alive. Um, and... I like the way that this film takes its lead character, Jojo, and it spends time understanding why he believes the things that he believes and how society has taught him these things, even though his family life may not reflect that. Reflect that. I think the film actually has a lot to say. And I think that the, some of the backlash has been that it doesn't, it's not edgy enough and it doesn't go too deep into the subject. And for me, I think that might be missing a little bit of the point of what I think the film is trying to say. In some ways, I think Taika is very, very competently satiring the current state of the world and the current state of conservatism in the world and how the leaders in power are affecting the education and the beliefs of the youth. And I think that working with kids, that's something that I can see a lot more closely. And I also think working in a, working and living in a pro-conservative area, you also see how those messages get taken up and get put into use more often when they're in power and control. And I think that that's what Taika is going for. He's commenting on the education and the uh, lack thereof of people in a society. And that's how we get to these hateful, awful actions. I don't think he's so much focused on the hateful, awful actions which I know has been somewhat of a criticism of the film. Yeah, um, and I think he's also showing how much easier it is to fall in line with the people of power yeah. rather than to go against it. Because while there is things that are hinted about, like this idea of the resistance, the resistance itself is hardly ever explored. Mm-hmm. It's almost always just entirely at looking at JoJo's relationship with... Um, the propaganda that surrounds him 
and how he essentially just has fallen for the thing that was easier to follow along with and him and all of his friends do the same thing mm-hmm. um and it's from the perspective of a 10 year old child yeah um well, and I think that what we can see in this film, too, is there's also this there's this nice comment on youthful, uncontrolled masculinity in the sense of that a lot of boys want to just find a place where they can belong. And, and maybe this isn't just boy-centric, but like I think that the film is commenting specifically on masculinity. So a lot of boys want to find a place where they can belong, find a place where they feel that they're empowered, where they feel that they are a part of something that is a group, where they can be big and bombastic and they can be a part of this group and they can let out some of that aggression that they are apparently naturally quote-unquote feeling. Um, And I think that this is a commentary on how hateful groups like Nazis and... gain power in the world. They appeal to that sense of masculinity, toxic as it might be, in some men that just need to find the power in the world by banning together and taking out, take using their power to put down other folks. Um... And I do think that's interesting in the face of the Scarlett Johansson character, who is... I mean, her best line in the film (laughs) is when she takes her child to this... uh, It looks like an after-school club. Uh And she tells Sam Rockwell to make him feel included. (laughs) And I was like, wow. (laughs) Make sure he feels included. And... In that way of, like, she she's doing that for her son. Mm-hmm. You know, even though she's not for what that club stands for. You know, she's trying to protect her kid in that way. I, I also think that... It's also... It's safer for her son yes. in that moment to be yes. part of that club yeah. than against it. Because if he's a 10-year-old rebelling, that's, that's a more dangerous situation, mm-hmm. you know? Um... I also think it's really interesting, and this may be a part of the film that, I don't know, if we looked at this film five, seven, ten years down the road, this may not hold as well as what it is now. And so, like, there might be elements that we're just overlooking or can't see right now, or maybe because I think that this film so thoroughly speaks to the 2019 moment that maybe, like, when we go back and look at the films of 99 or 39 or whatever it is, we're like, huh, but that's of their time. This might be a truly 2019 film. However, I think that it's a really interesting... I'm not going to say it's good or bad, but I appreciate the fact that Taika spends time rounding out at least a couple of the Nazi characters. Um, Sam Rockwell in particular... He gives them a... He doesn't give the entire Nazi force a fair hand but he gives very specific ones which is something that we've also seen before in something like The Pianist Mm -hmm. where he meets the Nazi general at the end and that and I know he's based on a real guy 
but like he shows compassion. Like Sam Rockwell's character, <laughs> when we first see Sam Rockwell's character, he just kind of looks like he looks like a he's a sad sad sack of potatoes. Yes, and then. Uh, throughout the film, you see that he does have some care and compassion within him. And... Yeah, and, and I think that it is an important message to maybe say, listen, these people are, are wrong. We know they're wrong. We're literally using satire to m- mock their ideas and point out how wrong they are. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're not good people in some ways. And I think that that, that, that's a really difficult line to thread and I wouldn't ever say that any of them are doing good or having good, but like they can be compassionate in those ways. And they have a moment, they have moments of humanity. Yes. Humanity is a great word that I was searching for there. And, and in, in a world where we, I think struggle with dividing into groups and going into our own corners and just yelling hateful things at each other, it might be an okay undercurrent to say, let's see what we can hear from the other side. We don't have to accept what they're saying, but we should listen, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. Yeah. But not Nazis. And, yeah. and spoilers, everyone, they, they, they lose. The Nazis lose, yes. <laughs> this <And> is a... <laughs> <laughs> it's not QT's Jojo Rabbit. Um, <laughs> and so... Uh, even with these moments of humanity, they, the they still get their punishment. Yeah, agreed. And, and so, yeah. that I think that's also an important thing. Yes. Where, uh, to note as we try to analyze this, and we feel like we're tiptoeing through this conversation. Yeah, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't hundred percent love this movie. Okay. I don't think the tone totally walks the tightrope. There is a reveal of one of the main characters that I think works really well, but then the film after that reveal kind of goes into a very dramatic turn. And it kind of loses me at that moment. Not that I start disliking or anything like that, but I'm just, I'm not as actively engaged because it doesn't feel like we've, we've done enough to really shift into a completely dramatic tone, though I understand why the story might need to go that way. Yeah, well, I'm going to make a statement. Uh, it gets... Pr- the World War II is a pretty sad time. Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. don't think Ta- Taika was like, what if I made the whole thing lighthearted? And there are subjects uh, that we've talked about. Uh, there is a Jewish character and there is briefly talk about the Holocaust, though it doesn't go into big details about mm-hmm. it, which are taken with a lot, which are taken with that serious tone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. I do too. Because cause about 30 minutes into this film, I was like, huh, what happens when we start getting to the, the bad, sadder part of World War II? When yes. are we going to start? Um, and I guess that, like, while that's expected, and while I wouldn't actually want it any other way, I'm just not quite sure if he manages it, for me, manages it well enough to, like, earn some of the pathos and some of the the things that he wants catharsis at the end of the film. I think it, it just... We are required to make that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and because we're empathetic people, we do. We do, mm-hmm. yeah. Um... Performances of the film, thumbs up <laughs> all around. 
Uh, I, I got some questions. I, I, I mean, maybe I don't have thumbs up all around. I've got one that's like a, a mid-thumb. Rebel? Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just... <laughs> I'm never on board with Rebel Wilson. She didn't actively detract from this movie. But, like, I was just like, okay, what are we doing? She was still just doing her rebel, her rebel yes. thing. Yes, yeah. Um, which, in this... In this, it kind of works, but yes. it's also kind of out there. It's good casting by Taika to understand how to use her as a performer. That's good casting. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I enjoy the shtick. Alfie Allen? <laughs> okay, which one's Alfie Allen? Alfie, he's the, he's the other... He's Sam Rockwell's boyfriend. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, no, thumbs up there. Uh, <laughs> he has, like, maybe seven lines. <laughs> but, like, okay, so... Sorry, let me ask that again. Ask okay. that again. Which one's Elfie's boyfriend? He's the... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got <laughs> which, which one's Elfie Allen? He's the one that kills John Wick's dog. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. He might also be in a Game of Thrones. He is in a Game of Thrones. Okay, however, I don't know from when that one he is there. Either. However, yeah. there's lots of folks in a Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones? Is it just called Game, it's of, just Game of Thrones? Is the book a Game of Thrones? Um, maybe. I think it's the, a, it is the. Uh, I think it's a Song of Ice and Fire is like the series, but like I think it's just Game of Thrones. A Game of Thrones is the first novel in A okay. Song of Ice and Fire. Good job. All right. That's why I, I'm not being... I, everyone, I'm not being a pain. It's that I knew it as a Game of Thrones, and that's how I've always wanted to just call it. Kylie, it's okay. We understand. You call it the Facebooks. You call it the YouTubes. I get it. Like, you're just... You're getting up to that age where you just put some extra articles in front of words, and it's okay. No, it's like when people... When I'm introduced to someone, and I'm introduced usually as, as their first name, their whole first name. So, like, like I met you as Josh, but if I had met you as Joshua, that's it, mm-hmm. it would have just been pinned there. Yeah. And after years, you might be like, Kylie, you could just call me Josh. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, Joshua. <laughs> there are definitely times where you full name me, though. <laughs> well, sometimes I even middle name you. <laughs> that's where it's getting serious. Um, Sam Rockwell, good as always, but come on, buddy. I think he's done. I think, you think? Yes, I think, I think we're at the end. Um. No more playing racist people. Come on, let's go. I understand why he's doing it, though. I think I understand why he's doing it. Why? I think he thinks he's making important films that are going to fix it. (laughs) Okay, great. I mean, sure. I, I appreciate that in him. All right, great, fine. He, um, his next live action film, and the only one I know about is Richard Jewell. Yeah. Where, I don't know if I should, I don't know if people know the story of Richard Jewell. He plays Richard Jewell's lawyer. Yes. That's in the trailer. So here's, here's what I will say. Right. I was going to make a statement, and I'm afraid that that's going to spoil the movie because I don't know if people actually know how this story ends up. Well, I would say this. It is actual history. You can't... That doesn't mean people don't know the story. I mean, fair. Also, I think there is an... Maybe there's an assumption that I can make because, like, I know how movies work. Uh We don't make the story if he's guilty. Okay, right. (laughs) So, I was going to say he's on the right side of history. Yes. And I think that in that, he's... 
I, I understand why he made the best of enemies. He thought, like, this is an important story to yeah. tell. And he's using his privilege in order to try and give those voices. You could say the same thing for JoJo and Three Billboards. Yes. Yeah. Is there one before Three Billboards? Yeah, Josh. He's he's in the... What, uh, it's the it's from a long time ago. Green Mile. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he's part of that. Um, But, yeah. It, Vice. Yep. He's got that going on. He's in a film called Woman Walks Ahead. I didn't finish that film because it's really boring. Mm-hmm. I also didn't get to him. <laughs> Great. So I can't say much about his role in that, but it does deal with um, a relationship uh, with a group of Native Americans. So I don't know what to say there. So yeah, I just, I really like Sam Rockwell as an actor and as a person. And I just kind of want to be like, can we cast him as other things? Maybe like please. Bob Fosse. Sure, let's do it. And only Bob Fosse. <laughs> I haven't seen Fosse Burden yet, though I think it's on Hulu. So I, wanna, kinda... I want it. Listen, it looks bonkers. I'm on board. Fosse Burden episode? <laughs> <laughs> um, Scarlet. Scarlet was great. This is, I think, my favorite Scarlet performance in a while. Um... Yeah. Yeah. It, She's not doing her usual Scarlet role. Um, and that's not a slam on Scarlett Johansson. It's a slam on how the film industry treats women. Um, yeah. So it, it, that was kind of refreshing. It's also just been a really long time since... It's been very hard to separate her from her Black Widow character in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this um, does a really good job of letting her be a different sort of yeah. character and a different sort of strength. And she's even able to be, like, funny. Yeah. Which... She has nothing to do. Yeah. Also, I think that this is a nice role to help maybe start the conversation of separating her from her personal issues and conversations that she's been having out there because she just keeps putting her foot in her mouth with mm-hmm. things that she believes and saying it out loud. And, you know, I don't want to forgive or say that word. we should not remember those things but to, if she keeps doing things along this line we can all grow up we can all learn and change and so great perfect let's do it Scarlett yeah um uh so the two actual leads of the film are um oh wait sorry one more supporting character uh kid with glasses Yorkie Yorkie 10 out of 10 love kid with glasses Stephen Merchant Stephen Merchant also great yes, he's very funny yes you were going to ask me a question before, like, I did my thumb thing and we got to, like, Rebel and then down a path. It was, I was going to ask, how'd you feel about Rebel? Okay, okay, perfect. That was my question, because Josh, I just feel like, I don't know, I don't dislike Rebel Wilson. I don't love all of her films. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't like any of the Pitch Perfects, so I'm okay, just going to, yeah, I don't like anyone in them. That that might actually be one of the few, like, <laughs> things that I'm like, oh yeah, Rebel, fine. <laughs> But I think that I, there are moments where she is fine. I that's the, but for me that's the nicest thing that I can say about her. Um, she's got her one thing and she's using it and yeah. And I don't want to begrudge her because like I don't I don't know anything about her and I'm not trying to say this like personally. I'm just saying like for me as I think we all have personal taste. Is she not a performer who stick that I like and I'm on board with? Have you seen Bachelorette? No. Okay. She is like the fifth or sixth lead of that. Okay. So she's the she's the one getting married. Uh-huh. So she's not actually she Jason Barthel. She's the Jason Barthel of it. Okay. So like I, you might 
You might be okay? You might like her in that. She's not being her funny self. I do. I did want to see, and I might still try to squeeze in, isn't it romantic? Mm-hmm. Like, I've I heard... don't think you're going to like it, Josh. I'm just, I, if, if you, I, I honestly think you're just going to be like, well, well, well. <laughs> It'll just end up near the bottom. Yeah. It's fine. Um, all right. So the two leads of the film. Uh, I don't know uh, the boy's name. But I think he does a great job. Roman. Roman. Griffin. Griffin. Davis. Davis. <laughs> there it is. He Three does names. not have anything else on Letterboxd. Oh, no. I think he, this is like his first thing. Cute kid. Uh, cute kid's cute. Uh, I don't think that, like, I've heard a lot of, like, praise for him in terms of, like, he's amazing. I was like, he's good. Yeah. He carries the film well. He's a cute kid. Cute kid's cute. <laughs> yeah. Maybe <laughs> it's going to take 20 years when, when like, everyone's like, oh, Haley Joel actually performing. Oh, good job. <laughs> Maybe 20 years from now, I'll be like, oh, Roman. I, no, I think Roman's going to go down the Tremblay path and like in three years, going to be like, I'm really sick of this. <laughs> He's like, I just want to be in Mike Flanagan films now. Don't we all? If you could be in a Mike Flanagan film, would you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you, and if you're good and you make good friends with him, you'll yeah. be in so many others. You don't need to hire any other agent. You got Mike Flanagan. Yeah, absolutely. That's what the kid from E.T. did. He found Mike Flanagan and he's like, I'm not letting this one go. Here's what I want to do. Yes. I just want to befriend Mike Flanagan. Uh-huh. Wes Anderson. Uh-huh. Um, who else does Coen this? Coen Brothers. The Coen Brothers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great. There we go. And then I'm just, there's my acting career. I don't even need to do much more. I'm like, cool. There we go. I got genres. I got everything there. Okay. And then Thomas and McKenzie, who's great. We love her. Leave No Trace. All on board, we were like, Thomas McKenzie is new precious gem. And I liked that she was able to shine here also to prove that, like, haha, not just like a one hit wonder thing. Mm-hmm. Also, I really appreciate her tone in this movie. Like, it is unique and different, and it is not. I just think it's. She's adds... in on the joke with us. Yes. Yeah, she's in on it. She yeah. and she's maybe outside of Scarlet, the smartest person in this movie. Um, and I love that element. I love her performance. I love what she adds. She's really, really great. Um, we, we have we didn't talk about Taika. That's what I was gonna say. We haven't talked about Taika as Adolf. Adolf. <laughs> great. That was our conversation. <laughs> I mean. He is exactly the tone of this movie. <laughs> He's exactly what I needed it to be. Yes. Uh, funny. I enjoyed what he was commenting on. I enjoyed the commentary. This, to me, is good satire because it understands what it's commenting on. Unlike, not to keep beating this dead horse, unlike Joker and Fight Club. Um, one day I'll stop referencing those movies and it'll be a good day. Um, stop referencing them. Okay, great, perfect. Um, <laughs> I'll make you stop referencing. But this is a good satire in the sense that, like, he knows what he's doing. He's working at the on the level of everybody else in the film, and he's the thing that we we he also understands. We're laughing at him. What I love about his portrayal is that he clearly knows he's the imaginary. He's not actual Adolf Hitler. He's a 10-year-old imagination of Adolf Hitler. So, like, that character is not more mature than a Mm 10-year-old. And I appreciate that because that actually serves to satire it even more because of the, like, repressed state of 
people who are in like Nazi-ish groups. I think that there is a little bit of a, a lack of education and you could compare to some 10 year olds. Um, that being said, he also manages to flip that switch. And like, there's a couple moments where he's genuinely terrifying as well. And I really appreciated that about him. Man, best supporting actor is my supporting my supporting my best supporting actor is a tough race right now. Everyone, yeah, I don't think he'll get nominated. I don't either. I go ahead. I okay. I don't know if this film is going to get a lot of love by the Oscars, and here is why: they don't like funnies unless they're called Green Book. Can I... You've <laughs> mentioned the actual reason, though, why I think it might. You mentioned it a while ago when we were talking about World War II films. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. <laughs> well, not a good movie, but Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. Like, awarded lots of things. I wonder if it would... I wonder if this is going to get more, like... I could see it getting maybe like a costume or something or production. Maybe. Is that what it's called? Our direction. Production design. That's now production, production design. Okay. Yeah. I would say that it's chances to compete are, like you said, costumes and uh, production design. I would say script. Okay. Adapted. Screenplay has probably got a shot. Adapted? It's from a book. In the credits, it's literally from a book. Uh, I would say that Taika is not going to be nominated for director, but I think is in the conversation. Okay. And picture. I bet this is in picture. I feel like there are a lot of films this year that will have five directors. (laughs) (laughs) I think there are five films this year where the directors are known and loved folks and we are going to nominate them. Number one. It's a little man named Martin Scorsese. Yep. Although he does hate Marvel films, so maybe that'll take him out. Number two, a little man by the name of QT. Okay. Number three, I'm really actually out of films. Okay, so here's... Wait, let me keep thinking. Let okay. me keep getting there. Let me, let me just look at what's happening on Letterboxd, right? Parasite! Bong. I think Bong Joon-ho's gonna get his first. Todd Phillips. I sure <laughs> I hope not. I don't know. You will not put that finger up. I have not put that finger up. Um, the Ford versus Ferrari guy? Mangold, I think if the film plays well. I'm not, I've not seen a lot on how it's uh, being reviewed or how it's doing the box office yet. I haven't just looked. Oh, Josh. Josh, it... Box it office champ? so much money for <laughs> a film like this. It made so much bloody money. Okay, so latest week it opened this weekend, right? Yeah. 31 million. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Especially for not a superhero film yeah. or anything. Matt Damon bringing him out. Christian Bale. Bring him out. <laughs> John Barenthal bringing him out. Okay, I've got who I think the other two are. Okay, wait. I'm still okay. tr- I'm still trying, Josh. This is a hard game, okay? It's, it's a fun game, though. You know, I'm not very good at it because I don't pay attention to what's happening. Um. Oh, the girl. Whose <laughs> name is? So Gretchen is in my head, but it's Greta. Greta. Not Garbo, but... Harbo? I don't know. <laughs> 
Sorry, Greta Garbo was an actress <laughs> over there. Oh. Uh, her movie's also over there. Uh, Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Gerwig. I think Greta Gerwig has a chance because Little, Little Woman, Woman, I think, is going to break big. Yes. Okay. Um... I think this is the spot that's the most open, but I think I know who it's going to be. So like... Uh, if you're looking at... Can you give me a hint? It is technically a Netflix film. I already said The Irishman. You did. The King. Nope. Marriage Story. Marriage Story. Bombach. Noah Bombach. Is he married to Greta Gerwig? He is married to Greta Gerwig. Oh! I think we like this story, everybody! So, yeah. And then neither of them win. And neither of them win because we just give it... I, I, I think if you don't like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's going to be a rough Oscars. Not that I think For once... For me? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I do, not that I think... That Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the best film of this year by any means. But what I do know is as a history of things, the Oscars like to do two things. Celebrate Hollywood! And two... Celebrate Quentin Tarantino! No, they don't like to celebrate (laughs) Quentin Tarantino. They like... Come back, kids! They They like to make up for things they've missed. And boy howdy have they missed on Quentin Tarantino. He has like two screenplays. That's it. Oscar wins, right? I think he's got those wins, yeah. But he doesn't have a director win. He doesn't have a best picture win. Um, Who cares? I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because Irishman is... uh, Three hours long. It's three hours long. And and we already gave Martin one. We did this already, Marty. Sorry. I think QT is winning a lot this year. I don't want that to happen per se, though I I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and think he did a really good job with it. But I wouldn't be shocked if QT walks away with director and picture this year. Because I think Hollywood is a good enough film to be representative. Like Hateful Eight, not so much. Like they're like, ooh, crap, we missed on uh, Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards. Hollywood? Let's do this Hollywood one. Yes, he has Academy Awards. So he won for Pulp Fiction. And I think the other one is Glorious Bastards yeah. for screenplay. So I'm just looking at his wait. I'm looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> it tells me that Pulp Fiction has won one Oscar. Mm-hmm. And Glorious won one Oscar. Two. Django Unchained won two, and one of those is Christoph Waltz, and I don't know what the other one so is. So maybe he won the screenplay for Django and not Inglorious. Oh, because Christoph Waltz won. Because Christoph Waltz won for Inglorious. And he's going to win this year for Alita Valley. No, QT didn't direct it. <laughs> okay, yeah, so he must have won for Unge- Django Unchained, yeah. and then one win for The Hateful Eight. Score. I'm looking. And Neo Marconi. <laughs> Academy Awards. Yeah, you're so you're so good at this. Burr, 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 burr. Should I make a? Should I make a? Do you want me to make an Oscar trivia? Heck yeah! I'll make it super hard. <laughs> you're gonna be like, so Wings won the first Best Picture, but what else was nominated? <laughs> um, in 1777 Okay, the year after the country was founded. Nineteen seventy seven. Who are the best supporting actress nominees? Go. Actress? Oh no! 
Not Terry Fisher. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you're. I think you're forgetting Mr. J.J. Abrams. This is his chance to get his Oscar for Star Wars. There is a theory that if Rise of Skywalker comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and is good, great, great. I'll go with great. If it's great, mm-hmm. if it's pr- received on a Return of the King level, that's because that's what I was about to compare it to. Is that we occasionally we we sometimes do this when it's something of the caliber of Return of the Kings, where we take a genre film and we reward it, and that and we've never really rewarded Star Wars since seventy seven and the first one. Mm-hmm. The other one... What did it win in 77? It did, I don't know if it... I think it won, like, sound. Okay. But it was nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ben Kenobi was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Sure. Sorry, the actual actor. Alec Guinness, yeah. yeah. his name escaped yeah. me for a minute, but um, he got nominated. Yes. Um, the other thing that I think could stand in Star Wars' way is that there's that... That Mortal same theory engines. could be applied to Endgame. Endgame. Um, I think that they would much more be willing to give it to Star Wars than Endgame because Star Wars has been around since the 70s. And so, like, it feels like more of a cultural touchstone. Right. While with Endgame, while that is also a cultural touchstone, it's from, like, the, the real big boom of superheroes was 2008 to here. Yeah. And so that's when they were beginning to be very successful. And I don't, I don't know if they're going to recognize that and be like, well, is this still going to be a popular thing in 50 years? In the same token, I like agree with you and then also want to flip it and reverse it. Mm-hmm. Because if you take the Lord of the Rings model... That was 2001, 2002, 2003. That was all right there in a row. And mm-hmm. the end, and the Marvel MCU is a shorter time frame, and it would feel more like we are awarding this whole 2008 to 2019 11-year chunk mm-hmm. rather than this epically long kind of timeline as well. And so I think that both sides of that argument can work really well. I think what hurts Endgame is that it came out in May. And I don't think that April. Disney... April, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that Disney has done any job of pushing it for anything. There was a very early campaign for RDJ to try to get a supporting actor and nod. Chris Evans. Um, again, it was more like, here's a, here's a hat nod to you because you were here at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's going to pull through either. I think Star Wars has a better shot. Um, if any of like the big blockbustery things are gonna have somebody sneak in and do something, I think if her part is substantial, you might see Carrie Fisher because she's never been nominated, and they might just want to do that. Wow, we love doing that, don't we? Sometimes, yeah. So if she has a substantial part at all, if yeah. they were managed to piece that together, I would also best supporting actress this year. I think I know who's gonna win. Okay, wait. A Little Woman. It It is an actress who's in Little Women, but it's not for that role. Meryl Streep. It's not Meryl Streep. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's so good. <laughs> you did. Seriously? You just had to get the other half. Oh, the other half of Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Shh, I'm getting there. Laura. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> what else has she been in? She's in Marriage Story. Everyone's in Marriage Story. There's like three people? Josh. 
I have seen the trailer of Marriage Story, and I'm like, oh, sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think between that and Little Women, and, like, Laura Dern's just been around a long time, I feel like this is her year in that sense. But I wouldn't be surprised if Carrie Fisher sneaks in and gets a nomination. Because then, like, Billy Lord can show up and be there, and we can be like, yeah, look, at we can celebrate that, we can celebrate Debbie Reynolds, we can, like, just celebrate the whole family. That'd be very sad. Yeah. When they just put her back in the memoriam. <laughs> they do it again. <laughs> They're like, let's just run 2016s again. It was a, it was a, good, it was a good in memoriam. Yeah. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on JoJo? Um, listen, everyone, give it a shot. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, think about stuff. All right, everyone. Josh, I don't think I have a game. We've played some games. Uh, let's just wrap this up. Uh, hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes if it's a five-star review or any star review. That helps us get more listeners. You can also hit that subscribe button. Uh, Josh! You can also find us on Twitter at... DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Ducks watched together. Letterboxd. Ducks watched together. Letterboxed. Kylie Callisher and Darby ACT. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. I've been Kylie. Quack, 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 quack. quack, quack. quack.